Welcome to the Cornerstone Truth New Creation Podcast. Each week we'll explore fundamental truths about the genuine love of Christ being manifest through His people, the Church. During these studies, we will discover that the sincere love of Christ flows from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. This is the goal of our instruction, and we are so thankful you're listening today. Good morning, everybody. Man, if I was a kid right now, I'd just be totally excited because underneath my Christmas tree would be a million presents that I'd rip into. But last Wednesday was awesome. I'll share with you what happened last Wednesday evening in a little word of encouragement. We had our uh, annual Christmas dinner with the family, the church family here at Pleasant Hill, and, and uh, a little young lady by the name of Athena was there. And I asked this question after reading the passage of Scripture in the book of Matthew in chapter 1, last part of chapter 1 and chapter 2 about the gifts that the wise men, the, the, the magi, brought to Jesus. And we all know what they were, right? They're gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You know? But I asked the question after I got done preaching a little bit. I said, so what gifts are you going to bring Jesus this year? What gifts are you going to bring to Jesus this year? And this young lady was like a rock star, all right? And here's this. Athena, thank you for sharing such wonderful presents for Jesus on Wednesday evening at dinner. You inspire me. Now, I didn't write this, Athena, but man, you could tell I got pretty pretty choked up by that last one. You remember what you said? We need to give Jesus our trust. And in 2021, I think that's a big thing that we all need to give to Jesus because 2020 kind of shook us a little bit, right? All right. So anyway, let's give it up for Athena. Good job. Woo-hoo! And, uh, you know, this young lady's not here today, uh, but I want to uh, shout out for uh, a young lady by the name of Nicole McKinney. Are you watching, Nicole? Um, I went up to Corvallis and met her dad. Uh, we're working on a little present for uh, someone and uh, I'm sorry, uh, Tiffany and I are working on a present for someone, and, and Clint was helping me. And Clint came over and he gave me the thing that we're, you know, a bunch of us are working on. He was working on his part. And he goes, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, you can't leave. And you brought over 100 bucks. And he said, Nicole wanted you to have this to help some of those Belarusian orphans in Belarus. Now, there's two orphans that that money's going to go to. Their dad just killed himself last year, and I was in that orphanage when those kids were brought in. And so a little nine-year-old and a little five-year-old. And so they're going to have a Christmas this year. And you know, Belarus is crazy right now. But that young lady, Nicole, who doesn't have a full-time job, I don't know where she got the money, but she decided, like the widow, her two little mites are huge blessing in God's kingdom and, of course, in Belarus too. So... Let's give it up for Nicole. Nicole, listen. Are you listening? Let's go. Woo! Really loud. You hear that, Nicole? It's awesome. Okay. I know you're blushing right now. I can tell. Uh, and this one was from uh, my son. It says, my Pleasant Hill Church family. I love and miss you all so much. Wish I could have brought some Texas heat with me last week. But seeing y'all's smiles, it says y'all's, y'all's smiles and getting hugs meant the world to me. Love y'all, and I'll see y'all again soon. Andrew, you want to give that to my lovely bride? So there you go. All right. Woohoo! Let's give it up for Andrew. 
don't know if you're listening, Andrew, but uh, we'll send you the tape. It meant the world to some of us to get a hug from Andrew when we watched I, I know. <laughs> and he tickled the ivory for me early in the morning, so that was pretty cool, too. All right. Well, a couple of announcements real quick before we get started with the lesson. Uh, evening assembly is going to be here tonight, uh, starting at 6 o'clock. And uh, then college-age young people uh, tomorrow night, dinner at 545 at 6 o'clock. We're going to uh, sit down and watch the Bethlehem Star uh, once again, I know you say, well, I've already seen it. You know what? I've seen it about 20 times, and I still just get excited about it. And then this coming week, it's been 800 years since the star alignment was such that the Bethlehem star was visible. It's visible this week in the northern hemisphere. So it's pretty big light show. And it was much bigger back then because there was no air pollution or light pollution. But anyway, I'm excited about that. So tomorrow night, 545 college-age young people, and then the Bethlehem Star will start shortly thereafter. Wednesday night, uh, evening assembly is at the Parks Place this week. And then uh, don't forget, Thursday, December 31st, is our New Year's Eve party out here at the Hill for the Pleasant Hill Church family. So, any other announcements I might have missed? Oh, there's, there's no lady study, obviously, on the next two Thursdays because of Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. All right? So... Any others before we begin? Is there a birthday this coming week? Blake, I don't have a little a little bulletin here. Uh, Jeff and Carrie weren't feeling under the weather. So uh, anyway, Blake, how old are you now, son? 26 years old. That's ancient. All right. Oh, to be 26 again, right? Okay. That was like 40-some years ago for me. <laughs> All right, so let's say happy birthday to Blake. Anybody else have a birthday coming up this week? All right, Mr. Foster, who's the closest birthday in your family? That would be after or before. After or before would work. October, maybe Elena. Elena, okay, what about after? That would be Janine. Who's it? Marin? Okay, we're going to sing to you and ladies too. <laughs> okay, go ahead and sing to me and I'll be listening. <laughs> happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. Okay, let's grab our uh, lessons. Anybody need a lesson, by the way? A lesson sheet? We didn't have our programs out front. So if you need a lesson sheet, raise your hand. And I have a handsome young man who will come around and, and give you a lesson sheet. Looks like every... Wait, is there a hand up over here? Mr. Foster needs one. That's great. Okay. Let's look in our scriptures to the book of Acts in chapter 3 and verse 17 through 19. Acts chapter 3, verse 17 through 19. Just a reminder that we are in a time of great refreshment and restoration, as the scriptures teach. Acts chapter 3, beginning in verse 17. And now, brethren, Peter the apostle says, And now, brethren, I know that you acted in ignorance, just as your rulers did also. But the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ should suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Therefore repent 
and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus the Christ appointed for you in whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration of all things about which God spoke by by the mouth of his holy prophets from ancient times. A period of refreshing, a time of restoration. That period of refreshing, that time of restoration is right now because of the indwelling presence of the Spirit of Christ. Where it says here in verse 19, therefore repent and return that your sins might be washed away or wiped away. That's the basic same statement given by Peter just a few days later a few weeks before in uh, uh, Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins to receive the Holy Spirit. And so he's talking about life in the Spirit. Now, some of you might be saying, well, doesn't life isn't very refreshing, especially in 2020. Well, I could probably agree with you, but that's not the externals that make our life wonderful. It's the internals that make our life amazing. Jesus said, my peace I give to you. My peace I leave you. You're not going to have any peace in this world, but in me you'll have peace. So like Athena said on Wednesday evening last week, we need to give Jesus our wholehearted trust in the coming year. How about we do that all day long, every day, until we breathe our last? How many of you would agree that's what we're really supposed to be doing? Trusting Jesus with all things. Jesus did that when he walked the earth and he calls us to do that as well. So now let's talk about love. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians in chapter 13. As you well know, 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, chapter 13 is really uh, uh, basically a rebuff of the church that was really quite selfish. He calls them babes. He calls them worldly. He calls them fleshly. He calls them brothers, but they sure aren't doing it right because they're selfish and self-serving. And so Paul writes 1 Corinthians in chapter 13 to help the church understand how we are supposed to love each other. Do you remember the scripture I shared last week that Jesus said in John chapter 13 and verse 34 and 35? Do you remember he said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you. And by this, that you love one another, all men will know that you are my disciples because you love one another. He's talking about Christians loving one another and people outside being able to see what real love, the love of Jesus Christ looks like. And so the church in the city of Corinth wasn't doing it right. They were all excited about all the externals but not about the internal presence of Christ and his love expressed through them. So let's pick it up here in, in 1 Corinthians in chapter 13, and we're going to take a look at verse 4 down through verse 6. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. Love does not brag. Love is not arrogant. Love does not act unbecomingly love does not seek its own that's what we did in the previous weeks the last two but look at the last part this morning of that verse six it says here 
uh, verse 5 and 6. Love is not provoked. Love does not take into account a wrong suffered. Love does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but love rejoices with the truth. Notice, again, we see love is not, love is not, love is not. Why did Paul write that by inspiration of the Holy Spirit? Because he wants you to test yourself. He wants you to examine yourself. He wants every Christian in every age to examine themselves to see if this kind of behavior, love is not, is in your life. Because if that love is not behavior is in your life, you need to change your mind. You need to repent and you need to put on the love of Christ, not of the world. And so it's important for us to recognize when we read through these, you can do it really quick, but we need to examine what is it really saying to me so that I can examine myself. Because if someone is arrogant, it says arrogant, they're puffed up. Your Bible and my Bible says that knowledge puffeth up, but love builds up or edifies. So are we going to be puffed up or are we going to build up? You see, it's so important for us to recognize and understand that you and I have a choice. Examine yourselves. In fact, I would suggest that the love of many grew cold before the destruction of Jerusalem. And we can look at, at history. It was horrific. People, even in the context of the church, were falling away in droves. Well, brethren, 2020 has sure been a ride, hasn't it? How much trust did you put in Jesus? How much did you hunker in your bunker? How much did you go, I got to get mine because things are kind of being wonky and shaken out? Well, I will share with you that the devil's not stepping back. I think he's going into a full court press. You're saying, well, great news. Thank you. I'm so excited about that. You know, the theme of next year is the law of momentum, the fourth law of momentum. And I'm going to have it up before, not next Sunday, but the Sunday after. The fourth law of momentum, the power of perseverance throughout the scriptures, both Old and New Testament. The power of perseverance in tough times. You see, this world and Satan, the God of this world, is going to test your metal. He's going to test my metal. He already has in large part, and he's going to continue with that press. The question is, will you have your love grow cold? Will your love grow cold? Time will tell. We could easily say, no, my love's not going to grow cold. I'm going to love people just like Jesus. I remember a guy named Peter said, I'll never deny you. <laughs> How'd that work out for him? We need to be determined in our hearts that we're going to have the steel to love people just like Jesus. That's how they're going to know that we're Christians. By our love for one another and our love for those who are not yet his. Now let's jump into the lesson. Take a look at point number one. Christ's love is not easily provoked. Christ's love is not easily angered. Boy, if you got a short fuse, that's an indication that you need to take a look at yourself and you need to examine yourself and see what the, what the opposite of that 
Love, love is not easily provoked if you're easily provoked. Let's take a look. I looked up the word provoke there. You see, Christ's love was manifest in his calm constraint in the most difficult of circumstances. He was not provoked. He was not irritated or exasperated to the point of blowing his lid. Because if he would have blown his lid, guess what? He would have toasted the earth. He had the means to do it. And yet he hung on that cross and he continued to manifest love for those who were brutally putting him to death. I don't know about you, but if we're supposed to love like Jesus, should we not get that picture of Jesus on the cross every day? Because it says, you know what? You want to be my disciple? You need to deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow me. That's what he said, didn't he? Well, the reality then is, is if we're going to follow Jesus, like it says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. By the way, you could write that down. That would be a good one to write down. If you're going to be imitators of God as beloved children and love just as Jesus loved, you need to be ready to lay your life down, not just for those who are your friends, but also to, for those who are your enemies. Go back to Matthew chapter 5. You want to be sons of God? You need to love your enemy and pray for them. Are you ready? Now is the time to prepare yourself and examine yourself, brethren. You don't want to get into the middle of a firefight and go, hey, I don't know how to shoot my gun. Can you teach me? That ain't going to work, brethren. you got to learn how to love like Jesus right now. So if you have a short fuse, if you get angry pretty easily, it's an indication that you need work on loving like Jesus. You remember when Jesus was hanging on the cross, don't you? And you remember what he said? He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He said that about the soldiers and the people who were deliberately killing him because of jealousy, weren't they? And what about those two thieves on the cross? It says they were both hurling abuse at him, weren't they? And what did he do when one of them changed his mind? Calm constraint. He didn't blow up on him. He said, you know what? Today you'll be with me in paradise. That's a picture of love manifest in a human body. Brethren, if you take a look at those other scriptures, and I encourage you to do that, you're going to see what this word provoke actually means. But you know what love is? You might want to write these down in your notes. Love is the opposite of being provoked easily. Love is calm, quiet, and still in the face of horrible persecution. Now, some of you could say about me, and I've watched you, man, sometimes... I've seen people push your buttons and you went ballistic. Thank you for examining me. I appreciate that. I know that and I've been working on it to develop that calm, cool, and collected self. Am I there yet? Well, the next trial will determine. But at least it's front of mind now. My wife would tell you, did I have a short fuse, honey? Oh my goodness, it was crazy. I'm a lot better today. But I'm not perfect like Jesus in calm, cool, and collected. You might want to also write this down in regards to what love is. Love subdues and constrains itself during times of provocation. Love subdues and constrains itself during times of provocation. In other words, I'm not going to let my anger go. 
In fact, I'm going to use my anger as energy to love those who need to be loved. I would encourage you to look at John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. Jesus loves those who are trying to kill an adulteress, and he was being set up by the, quote-unquote, the mob of Jewish leaders. Calm, cool, and collected. I don't know about you, but when he was writing in that dirt, he might have been going, man, you guys are going to get it. But he even loved them at that moment, didn't he? He who has no sin can cast the first stone. He gave them another chance, didn't he? And they all figured it out and they walked away. And this guy is, is holding back his temper until judgment day. Before I move on to the next point. Jesus is holding back his temper till judgment day. And if you and I don't hold back our temper like sons and daughters of God, that's sin. And that'll keep us out of heaven. It's important for you to examine yourself, brethren. It really is. Do you love like Jesus? Look at point number two. Christ's love keeps no records of wrong. Christ's love is willing to let go and forgive. That doesn't mean you trust someone who's wronged you until they've proved trustworthy. But you know what? You can still lay your life down and sacrifice for them. And it might even show them what real love, what Christ actually looks like. Those guys who nailed him to the cross. He loved them. People who spat on him and punched him, he loved them. He kept no record of wrong. You know what? There were soldiers, 16 soldiers, if I understand it correctly, that were guarding the tomb. When Jesus came forth, it says some of them ran away. But some of them got the nerve to go tell the high priest, hey, you know what? Jesus rose from the dead. The high priest paid him money to shut their mouths and tell a story that they fell asleep. That was a death sentence to Caesar, wasn't it? And yet some of them did not go. They ran away because they realized that Jesus was more than a man. Now, we don't have any record of where those soldiers went. But I'll tell you what, if you saw Jesus raised from the dead, after having seen him killed, and maybe even having participated in that death, would you think twice about who Jesus is and maybe bow the knee and want to follow him because you saw him ask forgiveness for you? when he hung on that cross. Brethren, I want to have you think about this. The word thinketh and the word evil actually come from King James. And that's where I found the Greek for these words. You know, in our book, take a look at 1 Corinthians in chapter 13 and uh, verse 5 there. It says, uh, love does not take into account a wrong suffered. But King James says, love thinketh no evil. Well, it doesn't even sound like it's even close to the same thing. Right? That's what I thought. So I figured I'll go look up the Greek for the word thinketh. Here's what I found, if you're interested in knowing. The word thinketh, to reason and take account or inventory of a thing. To think about and take an inventory and uh, uh, an accounting of a certain thing. Like, you know how many times Vance has wronged me? I've been keeping a list. I have it right here in my wallet. I carry it with me wherever I go. Because you never know when Vance is going to spring up from uh, Alaska. Oh, here it is. Uh, Alaska, or now he's in from Billings. Okay, I got my list here, Vance. That's stupid. No one would do that. You want to 
bet. How many have ever had somebody go, you know what you did back when I was seven? I'll never ever, you're 61. I don't care. I've never forgiven you for that. Obviously not. Let me see your wallet. How many other things are on your list? People actually do that. And they'll use it when you get in a fight. And if they're losing, they'll go, oh, by the way, trump card. This is what you did to me when I was seven. People do that. Do you do that? Do you remember when somebody's wronged you and you go, okay, come on, bring it on, buddy. I'm going to slice and dice you with the list I got. Unfortunately, that happens. Love does not calculate or consider the evil done to it. Would you write that down? This is, you go study it and see. Love does not calculate or consider the evil done to it. Look at Ephesians 4.2, Colossians 2.13. Pretty amazing passages about love. You know, the word evil, kakos there, is the opposite of good words and good deeds. Evil words, evil deeds. You know, the word is defined as intrinsically worthless, to be, de to be depraved and bring injury to others. That's kind of sick if you think about it. Can you imagine a Christian being depraved so much so that they'd want to do something to get back at somebody for what they did? You offended me when you painted the church building green. And I'm never going to let you forget that. I'm going to get back to you. Now, you know how many people know that there's churches that split for something less than the color of the building. Sad. We need to recognize and understand that that's not love. Love is uh, the evil is intrinsically worthless to be deprived and bring injury to others. Whoever is evil in character, word, and deed. That's what it's talking about here. And so when we take a look at what love really is, you know what love really is? Love is forbearing the wounds by others. They forbear the wounds of others. If you've been offended by what something somebody said or did, you know, sometimes people just don't think before they open up their yapper, amen? And they just say stuff. But then there's the other guy that knows what they're saying, and they're going to drive, drive, drive. That's terrible. If that's what you do as a Christian, that's not love. And when you stand before King Jesus, oh, by the way, you know how we're going to be evaluated? By the new creation standard. Go back and look at Galatians 6, verse 15 and 16. When you stand before King Jesus, you know, some people think he's got this accounting book in heaven, like with a ledger book. Bill Compton, bad deeds, good deeds. People really think this is how God's going to do it. Oh, excuse me, I need to type up. My system is a little back. <laughs> okay, oh, there's Bill. Oh, okay, it looks like uh, you're not in. How come? You got more bad deeds than you got good deeds. A lot of people think that's how it's going to be. You know how it's going to be? You go back and take a look in the book of Revelation. It says the books are opened. The books are opened. The New Testament is the perfect law of liberty. If you so desire to search that out, the New Testament is the perfect law of liberty. It gives us the mere image of the behavior of Jesus Christ as he loved the world. He's going to open up the books and say, here's all the things written regarding what the life of Jesus looks like in a human body. And then he's going to look at your life. Do they match? 
It's not a list of do's and don'ts. It's how you lived like and for Jesus. And you do that by faith. And you know why you can do that by faith? Is because he's the one that paid for every sin. If you think you're going to get to heaven because of the list in this book and how you did, no, actually, you get to heaven because of what he did. He paid the full price. So why do we invest ourselves in loving like Jesus? Because we so deeply thank him for the salvation that only he could give that I have a debt of gratitude. It's the debt of love. And that debt will never go away. Every single sin he paid for. You and I don't deserve to get to heaven. I work for him in love. The scripture teaches the new creation standard Galatians 5, 6 is faith working through love. When Jesus sees that by faith, understanding the word of God, you loved as he loved, you're in. Because the spirit of Christ moves in you and through you by faith. Now, brethren, I ask you to turn the page then and take a look at the back of your lesson. Christ's love does not rejoice in evil. Christ's love finds no joy in the thought or practice of evil. I can't see Jesus sitting around the break room at work and laughing at dirty jokes that everybody else is telling. I just can't see that. Can you? Show me the scripture where that is. And I'll go, okay, I guess that's okay. Don't even participate in that stuff. And you know what's really interesting? When you don't participate in that stuff, you just remain quiet and you, you converse in other ways. When, the, when life starts to shake out, they're going to know that you're different. You're not the same cut of cloth as the rest who are in the world. Brethren, take a look at this. The word rejoice there means to be cheerful and happy about something. To find joy in a word or action in yourself or someone else. You should have seen what I did today when I was coming out from the church. There was an old lady walking by the road. There was this big water puddle. It was, oh, it's classic. You should have seen it. Pedal to the metal, baby. She got a shower for free. You're saying you would never do that. Yes, I wouldn't. There's a, there's a million ways that you can rejoice in evil. I think sometimes we don't have the definition of evil dialed in correctly. I think evil is what we think it is, not what God has called it. And so it's important for us not to rejoice in things that God would perceive as evil. I'm not cramping your style. I'm trying to help you evaluate yourself. Is what I'm about to say, is what I'm about to do, evil is what i hear and is what i see humorous to me but it comes at pain and expense of someone else we have to be careful here, here brethren it's this kind of sin is so easily sucking us in we're with our friends and they're laughing you go yeah i can't believe you did that either man what an idiot call no man a fool jesus says you see we need to evaluate ourselves I want to love just like Jesus. I want to love people just like Jesus. 
It's really interesting when the prostitute comes to Jesus in tears and she, she's wiping his feet with her tears and, and, uh, uh, and, 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 and kissing his feet. And who's sitting there? One of the great leaders of the Israel nation. And that Pharisee goes, you know what? If Jesus were really a prophet, he'd know what kind of nastiness she is. And Jesus says, hey, Simon, I got, I got something to tell you. And Simon goes, what, Lord? You know, when I came in, you didn't wash my feet, but ever since this woman came in, she hasn't ceased to weep over my feet and wipe my feet with her hair. And you know, another thing I noticed too is you didn't give me a greeting kiss like is normal in our culture, but this woman hasn't ceased to kiss my feet. Simon, I tell you, he who has loved, or he who has loved much will be forgiven much. He who has loved little will be forgiven little. And notice he says this woman is going to be forgiven a lot. He says, and the one, he doesn't call Simon out, he lets him figure it out. The one who has loved little will be forgiven little. You know, brethren, when we take a look at this, we need to be careful and thoughtful and mindful about our love. Please don't evaluate me. Who should you be evaluating? You. Now, if I come alongside and say, Lars, I'm struggling a little bit, and I was wondering if you'd help me out, and I, I trust Lars, he's a good man. If you haven't met him, he's a great guy. And I come alongside, we have coffee somewhere. You get my house anymore. But, uh, and I say, I'm struggling with something. Could you, can you give me some advice, what you think? Now, I'm sharing the struggles I'm having and he's coming alongside and he's not laughing. He's not going to share that with anybody. He's helping me. We need to see that that's what love is really about. You know what love is? Real love is joyful when you or someone else acts and speaks with integrity. I'm deeply thankful to spend time with Lars because he's a man of integrity and he speaks integrity and I'm going to spend time with him, and I know that our conversation will be always on serving the Lord, not on something else. But finally, let's look at the last one here this morning. Number four, Christ's love rejoices in the truth. Christ's love rejoices in the moral excellence of others. The moral excellence of others. Have you ever noticed in the world that people make fun of people who are um, what's the word? Men and women of integrity or virtue? Oh, yeah, don't even bother talking to them because they're not going to understand your joke. And even if they did, they won't laugh. They're weird. Oh, don't ask him to go out after work. He's a goody two-shoes. You know what a goody two-shoes is? Well, that's just a slam. It's kind of interesting that oftentimes when the life shakes out, who do people go to? Those who have a life that is solid. You go to someone whose, whose marriage is solid, whose family is solid, whose, whose life is solid, who's got a good reputation both in and outside the church. That's where people go. They're not going to go to the person that just is kind of whatever. It's no problem. Listen, we should be rejoicing in other people's wonderful growth. The word rejoicing here is not the same as the one above. Check me out. To sympathize in gladness, to congratulate 
and take joy in another's words and actions. You know what? When uh, uh, Athena made that statement on Wednesday night, was anybody there watching my face? Did my face change? How many saw? How many were there and saw my face when she said that? It was like, wow. Trusting Jesus is the gift I should give to him this year. I was a little ashamed at the same time. I didn't even think about that one. And yet honestly in this last year, I needed to give Jesus my trust. And in many times I didn't. And in this coming year, I think we're going to need to give Jesus our trust even more. What do you think? So, I rejoiced in that, and you can tell I'm still rejoicing in that. The word truth there literally can be defined in context as this. The sincerity of mind. The integrity of character. And the way of life that is in harmony with the life of Christ. The sincerity of mind, the integrity of character, the way of life that is in harmony with the life of Christ. You know, the scripture says that we're to manifest the love of Christ. We're to manifest the life of Christ. Why? Because you're the only Christ, the only truth that people are going to see. They need to see Jesus in you. And they need to see Jesus in me. Do they see a worldly person? Someone who's doing the love is not at the workplace? Love is not as you're driving down the road? The love is not as you're in the marketplace? The love is not when you're with your family? Brethren, examine yourself. I'm not beating you up right now. I want you to be empowered. And the only way to be empowered is to lay aside the sin which so easily entangles so they can run the race before us. And the race is uphill. But we can, in Christ Jesus, do all things well. We can. Embrace that truth. Begin to examine yourself. And might I suggest you do this little thing, and I wrote it down. First, examine yourself. Second, purge yourself. Third, purify yourself. And then finally, practice the life of Christ. You're saying, wait a minute, Jesus is the one who purifies. You're right, but have you ever read 1 John 3? In verse 3, have you ever read 1 John 3 and verse 3? Everyone who has the hope of Jesus coming back for them purifies themselves just as he is pure. We do need to purge and we do need to purify. And everything, brethren, that we need for life and godliness is found right here. And we have good brothers like Lars and, and Eric and, and uh, uh, Kirk over there. And there's a whole bunch of other good brothers here. Now, if you're a woman, there's a lot of great ladies in this congregation that you can come alongside and trust. They're not going to speak a word of what you are desiring and needing. But they're going to find the truth right here, brethren. Look, you can go somewhere else and have the big show. But let's get it right because King Jesus is coming back and the devil is full, co full court press. And we are up to the challenge. How many of you know the scripture that says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of the living God. Satan has people bound up. 
And we can kick the doors in to hell and rescue them out of their misery. But we can only do that with the weapons of love. The greatest weapon of all in our arsenal. We need to get all those things that will limit us from running this race, brethren. So finally, let me share with you that love, love is rejoicing and being glad for those who are walking as Jesus walked, the embodiment of the truth. You know what, you know what the Apostle John said? I have no greater joy than to see my children walking in the truth. If you're a parent, you know what, what great joy you have when you're, you're young son or daughter, your young man or young woman that you've raised makes great choices as walking with the Lord. Man, there is nothing better than that. There's nothing better than that. And so, brethren, my prayer is this, is that we would allow the Holy Spirit speaking through the Apostle Paul to give us tools by which we can examine ourselves. And you examine yourself and be honest with God and if there's a, something in there that you're doing that love is not arrogant, love is not self-serving, love is not, then you get that out of your life. Find the positive opposites in the word of God. I've given you some in those scriptures. But only some. You have to make it your own. Brethren, I'm excited about next week's lesson. We're finishing the series on the presence of, of God and his power in us so that we can change the world. Now, people aren't going to know the Lord unless you show them. And then they'll trust you and they'll listen to you as you tell them about how to become a Christian. But you must show them first. Let's show people the love of Jesus Christ first for each other and then for those who are outside. Let's pray. Lord, we're thankful for the rich blessing that you've given to us in your word. Everything we need for life and godliness is found in the true knowledge of your son, Jesus Christ. The love is not, is not a part of the life of Christ. Look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. I pray that you'll help me to do that. I've heard it a million times. I need to engage every moment looking to Jesus. Father, I ask these things in his name. Amen. All right, let's stand. Please stand. And looking over to our great billboard, what did Jesus say to do? He said to go. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Jesus Christ is still the king of kings. King of kings. All right, let's go do it. Show them the love of Christ. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.